The How Is This Movie podcast is supported by listeners just like you. Go to patreon.com slash howisthismovie. There you can pledge as little as a dollar a month and help us maintain the goal of keeping this show fully independent and free of advertising. You will also gain instant access to bonus episodes not available anywhere else. Once again, that's patreon.com slash howisthismovie. And now for our featured presentation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to How Is This Movie? My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you for taking just a little time out of your day to listen. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at How Is This Movie. You can always like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash movie. You can email me with questions or comments at hitmpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave a review on whatever platform you use to listen. Now, before we get started, if this audio sounds a little bit different, it's because I'm actually using my iPhone 7 to record this podcast episode. To my utter dismay, last night when I turned on my trusty laptop that I've been using to record this show for the past four years, a single text message appeared in the upper left-hand corner saying, Operating System Not Found. After watching probably 20 different YouTube videos from people that had a quick fix on how to take care of this issue, only to find out that they really didn't know what the fuck they were talking about, well... I had to take my computer to a professional computer repair shop, and that's where it is right now. But the show must go on, so here I am using my earbud speaker, talking into my iPhone 7. Editing, I think, is going to be the bigger issue, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So looking back on this podcast over the past year, I think it even surprised myself a bit by just how little I talked about The Last Jedi. You will recall that in 2015, in the lead-up to the release of The Force Awakens, I probably did no less than seven or maybe even eight episodes. Now, granted, some of those were mini-episodes, but nonetheless, seven or eight episodes on The Force Awakens and my anticipation for that movie. You may also also recall that I put myself on a full trailer embargo concerning The Force Awakens and went into the movie knowing absolutely nothing about the film. And I feel like I was better for that. No surprise to anyone listening that I loved The Force Awakens. So much so that I saw it three times in the theater. Now I've probably seen it seven or eight times since then in its entirety. I love the pace of the film, the characters, the humor, the return to more practical effects versus the CGI extravaganza that was the prequel trilogy. So I will admit that it did come as quite a shock and surprise to find out that there was a lot of people out there, maybe some of you listening, who didn't care for The Force Awakens. I read countless reviews and watched numerous YouTube videos on the subject. And I've read some valid arguments about why certain things were quote-unquote wrong with The Force Awakens, but nonetheless, I had a great time watching the movie the first time, and I had a great time watching it the seventh time, and I had a great time watching it yesterday morning before I saw The Last Jedi. It was fun, it was entertaining, and it was enduring. It was exactly what I wanted from a Star Wars film. One year later, we got Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Now, this was another movie that I was extremely excited for. Of course, I didn't put myself on that trailer embargo, and I watched and consumed as much as I could leading up to the release of that film. Well, One year after the release of Rogue One, and now having seen the movie probably four times in its entirety, I can tell you that my initial reaction to the movie, which if you haven't listened to my episode entitled Rogue One, My Thoughts, you should definitely check out, is that my stance on the movie hasn't changed one bit. It's a gorgeous looking movie that is painfully boring for the first two acts before we get a huge epic conclusion in the third act. Also looking back a year later at Rogue One, I can say that the film is not near as enduring as The Force Awakens because we really don't see that many pop culture references to any of the characters in Rogue One. While there are countless references to BB-8, Kylo Ren, and all things when it comes to The Force Awakens. But truth be told, if there was one thing that I was eh, kind of upset about when it came to The Force Awakens was the lack of Luke Skywalker. 
Now, Luke Skywalker was my hero. I'll explain. In May of 1983, I was five years old. I was almost done with my first year of kindergarten. I remember coming home from school one day to find my dad home early from work. He herded my brother and two sisters into the family station wagon, and off we went to the local movie theater. Now, I can't give you a very detailed account of everything that happened on that trip, because, well, I was five years old. But there are some memories that are forever burned into our psyche. And for me, that was one of those memories. As the theater lights went dark and the movie started to play, I heard the familiar drum overture of the 20th Century Fox logo. Yes, even as a five-year-old, that overture was familiar to me. As the lights dimmed even lower and the words came across the screen, read a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, well, I'm assuming that's what it said. I was five years old at the time and I wasn't a very avid reader. But if you haven't guessed it yet, I was seeing Return of the Jedi in the theater the week it was released. That's my first real memory of ever going to a movie theater. Now, I've been told that I have been to a couple movies prior to that and that I was actually quite a distraction to others in the theater and actually had to be taken out of the theater a few times for crying. However, I've also been reminded that during the entire runtime of Return of the Jedi that night, I didn't say a word and my eyes were locked on the screen. The moment when Luke is about to be pushed into the Sarlacc pit, only to flip back up onto the ship, turn on his green lightsaber, and start kicking ass, was the moment that Luke Skywalker became my hero. That entire sequence is still one of my all-time favorites. And even though I own the movie, if I'm flipping around television channels and come across Return of the Jedi, and it's right before that scene happens, I will stop what I'm doing and I'll watch it again. Because even as a five-year-old, I was able to understand that throughout the three Star Wars films, this was the moment that you realized that Luke Skywalker had become a Jedi Knight, and he was pure badass. Although I don't think that's how I would have described him as a five-year-old, but as a 39-year-old, pure badass. I'm often asked, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? And I've never been ashamed to say that Return of the Jedi is my favorite. Not that I don't understand why people think Empire Strikes Back is the best film of the entire saga. I get it, but for me, it will always be Jedi. So you can imagine my slight disappointment when Luke doesn't even show up until the final 30 seconds of The Force Awakens. Yeah, that bummed me out a little bit. Now, if you want to hear my thoughts on the prequels, there's an episode I recorded a couple years ago called Star Wars Part 1, The Phantom Mistakes that I highly recommend you check out. So this brings us to Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Yes, I will admit that this was probably, yeah, well, no probably, it is, it was, my most anticipated film of the year. And there was no trailer embargo this time either. Now, long-time listeners of the show will know that I'm a little neurotic when it comes to going to the movies. I don't like sitting next to total strangers. I don't like being elbow-to-elbow -elbow with people, especially when I'm trying to watch a, a movie as important as a Star Wars film. Yes, I don't do well on airplanes either, but that's a story for a completely different episode. So naturally, as the release date got closer and closer for The Last Jedi, I went ahead and purchased my tickets. Yes, plural, tickets, for the Sunday, December 17th, 12 p.m. IMAX 2D showing. Which I might add that it was fantastic that my local movie theater, which I shit on all the time, was offering a 2D IMAX version of the film. Now, granted, they were only doing it once a day. All other showings of the IMAX were in 3D. And it should come as no surprise that the 2D showing was 100% sold out because... Fuck 3D. I bought a pair of tickets in the Tuzis, my favorite place to sit. Now, in the week leading up to the release of The Last Jedi, I realized that I was going to be seeing this movie by myself. 
and for once in my life, I felt like I wanted to share the experience with somebody. I've kind of forgotten what it was like to see a movie with somebody and then, you know, leave the theater and immediately be able to talk about it. I've become so hardened in my theater-going ways that I've forgotten some of the simpler things in life, like talking about a movie you just saw with someone. So this past Tuesday, while I was at work, I was chatting with one of my co-workers. Her name is Shannon. Now, Shannon and I get along great at work. We're constantly cracking each other up at work, and I consider her a very close friend. And something just came over me while I was talking to her on Tuesday. I said, you know, Shannon, I've got this extra ticket to go see The Last Jedi on Sunday. What are you doing? Do you want to go see this movie with me? Now, make no mistake about this. This was not me asking her out on a date. This was literally just asking a friend, hey, listen, I bought two tickets because I'm fucking crazy, and the reality of that is really starting to set in. Shannon paused for a moment and said, you know what? Sure, I'll go see the Star Wars movie with you. The Star Wars movie, I said. Who calls it the Star Wars movie? I looked at her and I said, wait a second, Shannon. Did you see The Force Awakens? She smiled and said, no, Dana. I haven't seen a single Star Wars movie. You haven't, I said? What about the old ones? Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewie! She just smiled and said, nope, haven't seen any of them. But I'll go to the movies with you. I cautiously smiled back to her and said, well, you know, <laughs> I don't think this is going to be a good idea. She smiled back and said, well, why not? Do you think I'm not going to like the movie? To which I replied, no, no, I'm sure you're going to like the movie, but, but I don't think you're going to have a clear understanding of what's going on since you've never seen a Star Wars movie and this is the eighth one. She replied, what's the big deal? I'm sure it'll be fine. I said, I'm sorry, we're just going to have to go to a movie another time because I'm not going to be able to enjoy myself because I'm going to be so concerned about whether or not you're understanding what's going on because you haven't seen a Star Wars movie. I suddenly stopped in mid-sentence. A light bulb went off in my mind. I said, look, Shannon, it's only Tuesday. We've got time. She said, time for what? I said, we've got time for you to watch the other Star Wars movies. She smiled again and said, you expect me to watch seven Star Wars movies in five days? I don't think so, Dana. And with that, I was once again back to seeing the movie by myself. But all is not lost because, you see, I still intend on showing Shannon every single Star Wars movie. And in case you're wondering, yes, I have VHS copies of the original trilogy before those silly special editions came out. So she'll see the movie the way it was intended to be seen. And by that, I mean terrible video quality with a horrific aspect ratio, but at least Han will shoot first. A few days later, I did ask another co-worker named Corey, who I know has seen all the Star Wars movies, if you want to go see a movie with me. He said yes, so I did see The Last Jedi with a friend sitting next to me. I'm in uncharted territory. When Corey and I arrived at the theater and took our seats, we began poring over all the questions we were hoping would be answered in The Last Jedi. Questions like, who are Rey's parents? Who is Supreme Leader Snoke? How will they handle the death of Carrie Fisher? But above all, the question I had more than any other question was, how is Luke Skywalker going to be portrayed in this film? Now, there was a slight disturbance in the Force leading up to the release of The Last Jedi. I had seen a few interviews in which Mark Hamill had described fundamental disagreements with Ryan Johnson, the writer-director of The Last Jedi, on the direction that he intended to take the character of Luke Skywalker. And make no mistake about it, that interview was playing in the back of my mind right before the movie started. In just a moment, I'm going to get into spoilers because I can't really give you my honest thoughts on the movie without detailing things that have happened in the film. But I will say that if you haven't seen The Last Jedi yet and you intend on seeing it, and if you can get your hands on a ticket to a 2D IMAX showing, that's the way to see the movie. So, spoilers for The Last Jedi, you have been warned. Let me get a few of the good things out of the way first. The movie, like it should in 2017, looks amazing. I think we're really getting to the point where CGI effects 
something that I've been a strong opponent of, are beginning to look flawless. Most of the action set pieces were over the top, as you would expect with a Star Wars film, with the scene in which Rey and Kylo temporarily team up to take on Supreme Leader Snoke's guards as a real standout. And some of my questions were answered. We learned that Rey's parents were in fact no one special. They had sold Rey into slavery for drinking money. Now keep this in mind. The script was written by Ryan Johnson. The Force Awakens had been written by Lawrence Kasdan, who had also written The Empire Strikes Back. There were some continuity aspects that Ryan Johnson had to keep in place from Kasdan's script, but for the most part, he was given pretty much a blank canvas to work with, and the decision to make Rey's parents nobodies I thought was the right move. Because in the very last scene of the film, we see a small child who clearly has force powers, and it establishes that there are others out there that can use the force. We also see Supreme Leader Snoke in the flesh, instead of just a hologram like in The Force Awakens. Now, I said I was impressed with the CGI effects, not all of them. This would be one of the rare misfires in the movie as far as CGI goes. I understand that Andy Serkis, who is a motion capture acting legend, is the one who plays Supreme Leader Snoke, but perhaps... They could have used some practical makeup effects. Again, it's just a thought. Although, I will admit, it really caught me by surprise when Kylo killed Snoke. Like most of us, I assumed that Supreme Leader Snoke was going to be the antagonist throughout the complete trilogy. In the moments after Snoke's demise, there was a real uncertainty as to whether or not Kylo Ren was finally going to turn to the light side of the Force, which had me scratching my head because we're halfway through the second movie in a trilogy and we have just killed what I thought was the main antagonist and have yet to establish another villain, especially if Kylo's getting ready to turn to the light side. So yes, I was very curious to see what was going to happen during that scene. Of course, one of my big questions of the day going into that movie was who the hell was Supreme Leader Snoke? And unfortunately, that question has not been answered for me. But rest assured, there are already a thousand fan theory videos on YouTube about who Supreme Leader Snoke really is. Moving on. I was really happy to see a lot more Poe in this film. He was easily the most charismatic character in The Force Awakens, and he's barely in the film. He didn't lose any of his charisma in The Last Jedi, but he did become a little bit more heroic. And if you haven't figured it out yet, in my opinion, Poe is now the de facto Han Solo of this trilogy. Again, I, I want to stress that a, a good majority of these action sequences were great. But that brings me to the part of the movie that nearly derailed the whole film for me. As the Resistance is trying to flee from the First Order, it is discovered that the First Order now has the ability to track a spaceship even after it's made the jump to light speed. So it simply becomes a waste of gas to keep jumping in and out of light speed since the First Order can now easily follow them. When Finn, once again, selfishly tries to escape the chaos, he is caught by a resistance maintenance worker named Rose, who plans on turning him in as a deserter. It's while the two are talking that they figure out a plan in which they can disable the First Order's new light speed tracking system. In a nutshell, they have to sneak on board the First Order's main ship, take down the device, but in order to do this, they first have to find the only man in the galaxy that can pick the lock. That's housing the tracking system, and this man can be found at a luxurious casino resort that pretty much looks like Monaco at night, complete with table games, slot machines, lots of popping bottles of champagne, and even a racetrack. Finn and Rose are only in this casino for a matter of minutes before they're arrested for parking on the beach. We are also introduced to Benicio Del Toro's character. Look, I'm just going to say this. This entire sequence at the casino resort was completely off the mark compared to the rest of the film. So much so that I had this moment that I was dreading. I was sure I wasn't going to have it, but I had the moment sitting in the theater and I was saying to myself, oh my God, I don't like this at all. I don't like this movie. I sunk a little bit into my chair. 
I haven't had that feeling in a Star Wars film since The Phantom Menace. Now thankfully, the movie does make an abrupt course correction after Finn and Rose return from the casino with the help of Benicio Del Toro's character. They successfully pull off their side mission, but man, I can't stress enough how much that whole sequence took me out of the movie. It was a subplot that I just thought was not necessary. So let's talk about what I was most excited about, Luke Skywalker. The Force Awakens ends with a literal cliffhanger, and I've been patiently waiting for two years to hear Luke Skywalker say something, say anything. I give the opening of the film credit by first focusing on the Resistance and their attempt to escape the First Order. And if I'm being completely honest, the entire opening space battle with the bombers and Poe fucking shit up with that X-Wing, that battle could have been the grand finale of any Star Wars film. It was epic and it made me temporarily forget that, hey, you're here to see your childhood hero, Luke Skywalker. As the film cuts to the island where Luke is living in exile, and Ray approaches Luke and hands him his long-lost lightsaber, the entire theater I was in was so quiet, you could have heard a pin drop. The moment that Luke casually tosses his lightsaber away garnered a huge laugh from the audience. But I didn't laugh. I was in utter shock. Once again... I was quickly reminded of the Mark Hamill interview in which he said that he fundamentally disagreed with the approach that Ryan Johnson had for his character. And for the first half of the movie, I found myself agreeing with Hamill's assessment of his character. I wasn't a fan of an old, ornery Luke Skywalker. I think what I wanted was more of an Obi-Wan Kenobi from A New Hope. But as the film progressed, and we begin to understand why Luke is the way that he is, his evolution from the beginning of the film to the climactic finale was indeed fantastic payoff. And Luke's death after that amazing scene was much easier to handle than that of Han Solo's death in The Force Awakens. I always had an issue with the Han Solo death in The Force Awakens because I knew that he didn't want to be in the movie. Harrison Ford only agreed to be in the movie if they promised to kill him off. Carrie Fisher passed away shortly after filming her scenes for The Last Jedi, and I believe all of us were very curious to see how the film would handle her untimely passing. Now, the scene in which she is seemingly killed and blown into space was to me a rather abrupt way of handling it, or at least... That's how I was perceiving it until she somehow manages to fly back to the ship using the Force and continues to play a major role throughout the entirety of the movie, leaving us all with a much bigger question of how are they going to handle her not being in Episode 9. There's already been several statements made that she is not going to be in Episode 9. They're not going to do that weird thing they did in Rogue One where they Grand Moth Tarkin and a young Carrie Fisher CGI they didn't look good. So it would be very interesting to see how they're going to write her out of the story. For the last 20 minutes or so of the movie, I was rather uneasy because I was sure at any moment that this movie was going to end on another cliffhanger, just like The Force Awakens did. I mean, this is the middle film in a planned trilogy. And if we were to use the examples of The Empire Strikes Back and even Attack of the Clones, with both of those films being the middle one in their respective trilogies, they both end on major cliffhangers, especially The Empire Strikes Back. However, The Last Jedi seemingly wraps up all loose ends, not only from The Last Jedi, but also that of The Force Awakens. In fact, The Last Jedi effectively severs all ties to the previous Star Wars films. I don't mean literally every tie to the previous films, but what do we know about Episode 9? No Princess Leia, no Luke Skywalker, no Han Solo, no Supreme Leader Snoke. Ryan Johnson has successfully pulled off the idea that we have no clue what the final film in the trilogy will be about. At the beginning of Return of the Jedi, we knew exactly what the plan was. We have to rescue Han Solo, Luke's finally going to be a Jedi, and he's got to face Darth Vader one last time. What do we know about Episode 9? Or what 
do I think I know about episode nine? Nothing. And it's a little jarring, to be honest with you. Jarring. That's a great way for me to describe my experience watching The Last Jedi, because I honestly had no idea what was going to happen. And for that, I'll give the film a lot of credit. When I look back at Rogue One, I knew what the outcome was going to be. With The Last Jedi, about halfway through, I accepted the fact that I had no idea what was going to go on, I accepted the fact that I was not going to be able to guess or predict the final outcome of this film. When you kill Supreme Leader Snoke halfway through the movie, you got my attention. As Corey and I walked out of the theater and began discussing the film, we both agreed it was a good movie and it had some very entertaining moments. We both agreed that the whole casino scene was not good and bogged down the pace of the film. As we said our goodbyes, I got in my car and began to drive home. I was playing the movie in my head over and over again. And the more I thought about it, the more I found myself nitpicking several different scenes and beginning to ask the inevitable question that always comes up. Why? Why did they go in that direction? Why did Ryan Johnson seemingly abandon much of the infrastructure that was laid out by J.J. Abrams in The Force Awakens? And after a lot of careful thought and observation, it became very clear to me that Johnson's objective slash agenda was to move the Star Wars universe forward, not backwards. And Disney is completely okay with this. They've already announced a brand new trilogy that will be written and most likely directed by Ryan Johnson. Now, when it comes to episode nine, which will be released in 2019, what I'm most interested in has nothing to do with the plot of the film. What I'm most interested in is the fact that J.J. Abrams is coming back to direct episode 9. After Ryan Johnson pretty much dismissed most of what he created in The Force Awakens, I want to see how J.J. brings this full circle. The Last Jedi is not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. It's a little too long at 2 hours and 30 minutes, but I found myself more invested in the story and the characters than I did Rogue One. However, there is one similarity that Rogue One and The Last Jedi have for me, is that after I saw The Force Awakens, I couldn't wait to see the film again, saw it two more times in the theater, loved it. And just like with Rogue One, after seeing The Last Jedi, I'm very comfortable just waiting to see it again when it comes out on video demand. My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening. The How Is This Movie podcast is produced by Dana Buckler for Hidden Productions located in Ocala, Florida. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at How Is This Movie. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash howisthismovie. Of course, you can always email the show with questions or comments at hitmpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, to become a monthly supporter of this podcast and gain instant access to bonus episodes not available anywhere else, go to patreon.com slash howisthismovie. You'll find all the links to our social media in this episode's show notes.